Sri Bhakti Vasamrita Sindhu Ki Jai Sri Rupa Goswami Prabhupada Ki Jai So we continue our discussion of Bhakti Vasamrita Sindhu Today we come to the first verse of the second division of the ocean of Bhakti Rasa the southern division and Rupa Goswami begins with a verse in praise of Krishna, Prabalam Anaya Sharina Shaina Nishabita Sahaj Rupena Agad Dhamano Maturayam Sadasanatana Tanur Jayati. It has a double meaning. First meaning is May the Eternal form of Krishna, killer of Agasura, served strongly by his natural beauty, which is attractive even without ornaments and which is non-different from his very self, remain with all attractive features eternally in the district of Mathura. Bhagavan Shri Krishna ki jai. Shri Agadamano ki jai. The second meaning of the verse runs like this. May Sanatana Goswami, who conquers all sins and is served with devotion by his younger brother Rupa, who has taken shelter of him alone, remain eternally in materialistic district. Sri Sanatana Goswami Prabhupada Ki Jai. Rupa Goswami Prabhupada Ki Jai. These names, Rupa and Sanatan, were the names given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to these two great devotees, great brothers, Sanatan, the elder, and Rupa, the younger, Shijiva, their nephew. And we see here that with regard to the second interpretation of this verse, that he really kind of picks up where he left off at the end of the previous chapter where we also heard a verse with a double meaning hmm? and the second meaning one in praise of Sanatana Goswami. Indeed, that verse was preceded by another verse in which Rupa Goswami said that his book here, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, is all about bhakti, actually, in a sense, follows this was the implication of his verse, the the, the book of Sanatana Goswami, Brihat hmm? Bhagavatamrita, Sri Brihat Bhagavatamrita Ki Jai. Hmm? Rupa said that there, in that verse, all the secrets of bhakti are found. He said they're clearly found, but it's presented esoterically. <laughs> so it's as if to make them more clear and less esoteric, hmm? He has taken up this book, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. He didn't say that, but that's the, really the implication because there in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, as we know, the books merit in one sense, uh, among many other things, of course, is, is its, its accessibility in that it's in the form of a narrative. Hmm? It's a Puranic type of uh, narrative. Indeed, Sanatana himself attributes the book to... Um, Parikshit Maharaj, isn't it? Speaking to Uttara, his mother, who wanted to know before the snake bird came and bit him, after he had heard from Sugadev, and that was imminent, seven days had passed. Now, rather than having seven days to contemplate and, and understand and get comprehensive answers as to what is the most the way in which one as a human being should be preoccupied and uh, particularly um, how such a person should be preoccupied at the time of death which determines the next birth, the the present, the future is in the present. Um, So having had seven days to get answers to that and he heard them so even more imminent was his passing having been cursed as he was to die in seven days by the bite of a a flying snake. And uh, so Uttara, his mother, 
jumped into the picture and wanted to know what he heard from Sugadev in maybe seven minutes <laughs> or seven hours, a uh, short period of time. We didn't, it could happen at any moment. Um, he could have been bitten. And so very quickly, the implication is in a, in a brief period of time, comparatively, he um, spoke the narrative that we know to be Brihad Bhagavatam, this is Asanatham. Uh, explains it, hmm? right? Hmm? Um, of course, there's no copies of that, no manuscripts of that. Uh, as far as I know, no one's ever seen one, except Sanatan. Uh, in his own uh, meditation, I suppose we could say. And he then, in turn, of course, wrote his own commentary as well on the Brihad Bhagavatamrita. So, Rupa Goswami has deferred to him, hmm? his elder, his guru. Uh, he wasn't his initiating guru, but he is the subst- most substantial guru in the life of Rupa Goswami. Mm-hmm. Repeatedly, uh, as I say in the previous chapter, ending the eastern section of the ocean of Bhakti Rasa, he pays tribute to Rupa Goswami, as he did in the beginning of the book as well, with a, with a double meaning verse or two, uh, glorifying Sanatan. So with such regard he had and such regard we have for him. Hmm? See how the devotees feel from one another and learn from one another and compliment one another and really genuinely feel my work is an extension of the predecessor's work. I couldn't have done it without him and so forth. So, But as if to say, as I mentioned, that, that what was given in Brihad Bhagavatamrita in a story-like form, which is compelling and entertaining, if you will, rather than just a a, a discourse on details of Bhakti Rasa. He tells the secrets of Bhakti Rasa in the context of the story of Gopakumar and the story of Narada. Narada going to find the highest devotee. Gopakumar speaking about the highest abode that corresponds with the highest devotees, which is the Braj, Brajlok, of course. Hmm. And Gopi Bhav, uh, uh, he himself, Gopakumar telling the story. And, find his resting place as a Priyanarma Saka. He tells the story. Mm-hmm. So very merit, in one sense, one of the merits is, is it's very easy to read. Bhakti Rasamrita Sinu is a little more difficult to read. It's more of a, a study kind of uh, book. There's no storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, but it very clearly, very kind of methodologically, I should say, uh, explains the uh, the nature of bhakti rasa. Hmm. So, as if to, although it was clearly presented, he says in Bhagavatamrita, it was nonetheless an esoteric book. I guess he considers his book more of an exoteric book. Hmm. Um, and more clearly still, although perhaps less entertaining, hmm. such as bhakti rasamrita sindhu, we, of course, are drawn to it as bhaktas, and so forth. Um, um, and we come now to the second, as I say, the second division, the southern division. So he's divided the bhakti rasa into four divisions, eastern, southern, northern, and western. The eastern division described the nature of bhakti, sadhana bhakti, both bhakti and raganuga, bhava bhakti and prema bhakti. Now we come to the Southern Division. And here in the Southern Division, I'll just give a little overview for tonight's class of the, of the, of the chapter, uh, what it contains, and the, and the rest of the text, perhaps. Um, the concepts uh, are at first seem a little formidable to understand, to apprehend. I know that Prabhupada's uh, summary study of this book that he titled The Nectar of Devotion was one of the books that was least read by his disciples and most difficult for them to understand. I think it was the difficulty lies largely in the terms, very foreign terms, vibhavs, alambana vibhavs, udipana vibhavs, ashraya alambana, vishaya alambana, hmm. um, uh, to, just to name a few, hmm. uh, which happen to be the subject of this chapter. Uh, and then so many others. These very foreign terms. Um, 
seems like when you read any text and it's got these words you don't know in it, it it's it's hard to penetrate. But uh, we try we try to take that out out of that a little bit. And again, the the way in which we will uh, do that uh, to some extent is, is by emphasizing that what speaking about is something that's really super transcendent, transcendental, but very down to earth at the same time. This is the uh, the chop wood Gaudi Vaishnavism, hmm. to use a Buddhist term, which I guess means to just be simple and pay attention to what you're doing, and everything's found in that. Just chop wood, carry water. You know, you got to heat, you got to cook, you need water. I guess that's what that means. <laughs> I've always thought of it like that—the kind of mindfulness that the Buddhists talk about, just paying attention to little details and and not waiting for something else to happen, hmm? or lamenting about something that didn't happen, just what's in front of you, to, and then live in that moment and get the most out of it is kind of their idea behind the, the phrase. So it kind of seeks to bring enlightenment down to earth, if you will. Well, that said, it's fine. Um, it may do that as a way of practice, but then the, the result... Hmm, of the in, enlightenment, if you will, plays out in a very non-human um, way. Mm. And you find yourself doesn't exist, uh, <laughs> and uh, you're just part of the transformation of matter. And it was always a very difficult concept, the nirvana there. Uh, we would call it prakriti nirvana, kind of a put merge into matter. Hmm. Um, to be the stone, to be the sun, to be the sun set, the sunrise, the cloud. In other words, as the world turns, um, not getting hung up in any of the particular turns hmm, is the idea of uh, Buddhist enlightenment. I mean, obviously, there are many nuanced ideas of that, but um, um, I want to say that the the idea is very kind of counterintuitive, the ideal, even though they talk about down-to-earth. The difference here in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, as I've said before, is the down-to-earth and the highest ideal, they really fit together pretty seamlessly. Hmm. So what it's like to be somebody's friend on earth in the essential sense of the term, not like with particular details. Well, I like to be with my friend, we like to ride mountain bikes together, and, and so... You know, is that what Sakiras is like? It's not like riding mountain bikes necessarily, but it, but because the, the friend is Christian, so it's a little it's a little different. But the essential idea, or to be a parent, or to and to, and to love the child, or to be a lover, the essential, basic uh, uh, essence of that, the essential sensibilities of human. Love. Mm. With various nuances and so forth and so on. With, with Krishna in the center. So it's very, it's very, that's to say, down to earth. You, it's like what you're doing now. Mm. But you change the center. Krishna's in the center. So when you talk about it like this, then um, it takes a little bit of the, 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 the apparent uh, complexity out of it. Um, it's good to learn the words, but I mean, you could say them in English as well. After all, Rupa Goswami's, what he's done is quite uh, interesting and extraordinary. I don't think it's really been done, at least not in the same measure, with the same detail, um, uh, by anyone else, is to, is to take dramas about human life, hmm? And all the the language and the terms and so forth um, employed to uh, explain or label term different emotional realities and so forth. You know, in art and music and or in drama, we try to bring out certain emotions. Right? Person paints a painting, wants to, has a certain emotion, and it comes onto the canvas. And the perfection of the art would be the same emotion as. Is, it comes out of it, or other emotions come out, as, as it is with music and so forth. 
people write music and it may have some meaning to them or really not much meaning at all. People draw all kinds of meaning out of it and so forth. So at any rate, the different terms for different um, emotive experiences and so on and so forth. Um, and, uh, and using those from the uh, 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 drama and the laws there of compatibility of feelings and so on and so forth, he has explained Brahman, the absolute. It's very different, I'm going to say, than how Ramanuj, Shankar, Ramanuja, Madhva, uh, before him. Hmm? And and their ideas of transcendence is, is in Shankar's um, case, very, very different. Hmm? Very different. I'm saying uh, the description is very down-to-earth and very high, from the Shankar perspective, we talked a little bit about the Buddhist perspective. From the Shankar perspective, down to earth is is like you're just here, you're really enlightened, you just don't know it. Just think about it enough, and in a flash, you'll know I'm enlightened. What they're really saying is that the self is what it is. Hmm? It's Satchidananda, hmm? and it never changes, and you're thinking you're something other than Satchitananda, but you always are, so you always are enlightened. So it's just this far away. It's just this far away. Hmm? As hard as it may seem, and with what great effort people take to arrive at it, it's actually just very, very close. So that's their kind of down-to-earth explanation. Of course, when you, when you pull off the cover and see yourself from what you are, what you are, you're very, very, very different from your human uh, experience. Indeed, yourself doesn't even exist as an individual, hmm? a delimited uh, unit of reality. There's one pulsating self, and you are that, and your reality is, uh, what do we say, uh, contentless experience and the ecstasy of, of not suffering. Hmm? That's kind of odd. I mean, it's very different from material, um, our human experience of knowing, of loving, acting, and so forth. Hmm? Then you come to Ramanuja and, and, and Madhva with transcendental ideas of, of Vaikuntha. Hmm? It's closer, but still very different. The, the type of knowledge that is acquired there you know, from, we have paroksha, aparoksha. So paroksha means so ordinary knowledge, acquired in the sense aparoksha from knowledge from going within, which Shankar would focus on. Paroksha, aparoksha, adhoksaja. Comes to Vaikuntha. Hmm. What is the meaning of adhoksaja? Ah, we went through this, and hoksaja. Uh, anyway, it's beyond beyond the. Beyond the alphabet, beyond beyond words, it's it's overtly transcendental. I mean, there is form, there is movement, there is love there, reverential love, which is not the norm in this world. Hmm? There is a place for it, um, but it's hardly the full full face of love. So it's overtly transcendental. When we we go from paroksha to aparoksha to adhoksaja. When we come to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, what is the term? Aprakrita. Now, this makes my point. Because from prakrita to aprakrita. Prakrita means the world. Hmm? Material nature and experience. And aprakrita means it's like it, but it's entirely different. It's just like it, but it's entirely... And that's how... What makes the Leela of Krishna a di- little difficult to explain. Because <laughs> it is so human-like. It's human-like, though. Hmm? Human-like, and this is my point. Gaudiya Vaishnavism is human-like. It really tenders to the human reality. Speaks to what we sense and feel as humans. Reality should be. It verifies it, really. Hmm? So it's very down to earth in that sense, hmm? while very high, hmm? higher than adhoksaja, than than aparoksha. Uh, as we were already describing yesterday when we talked about praying, hmm? and its quality, for example, of concentrated happiness, that what exceeds the happiness of a, half a lifetime of Brahma spent in samadhi, and so forth. 
So, a very high ideal, but very down to earth at the same time. Hmm? That's part of it being very user friendly. In other words, the ideal that ultimately you experience so much corresponds with the human experience. Now, someone might say, well, shouldn't it be very different? That may be an argument. Should, well, shouldn't the transcendental experience be very... Why should it be similar? Hmm. Maybe it should be completely different and odd for us and so forth. So one could make an argument like that, but that makes it that much more, I believe, difficult to relate to and artificial, and it says that what you are hmm, is so different from what you are now that <laughs> uh, uh, now you're an individual you have desires you love you you you, you you're an agent of action all, all these things it means that your present reality is entirely different from what you are that's a little that to me is a harder sell your ultimate reality is entirely different than what you you are instead of your ultimate reality is similar to what you are but you're just off-center, something like that. So this is the Gaudiya uh, teaching. I think, as I say, it's very user-friendly, and it's a very down-to-earth idea. So Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is, is a very down-to-earth book. It's the easiest book to understand in, in that sense. Hmm? Um, of course, the terms are foreign, so that may be a little bit of a challenge for us, but we should understand their, their meanings. So as we go through, which is now the, the subject here, to, we, we, we heard about selfless love, the definition of bhakti, anyabhilashita sunyam gyan karmadi anabhritam anukulena krishnanam shivana bhakti anutama. We heard about the practice. Hmm? In the practice of loving God. This is another uh, point along the same lines that I've made before. Well, how do you love God? How do you love anybody? You can say, you know, can I, would you like to come out for dinner? Hmm? It's a basic concept, right? You, you meet somebody, now they meet people online, and they, you know, or you meet them at some social gathering, and if there's some chemistry, a little bit, or you hope there is, or there is on your side, and you hope there is on the other side, then you, you ask someone, you know, could you give me your number? Um, give me your name. Hmm? I get the name. And then you got them there in this, uh, to, to recontact. Would you like to go to dinner sometime? Something like that. Hmm? Um, to eat, to partake in some entertainment or something of this sort. This is what humans do. I mean, it's a date, right? Um, and so, loving Krishna, as described by Rupa Goswami, it's, it's really no different. Hmm? You know the. You, you, you meet them, uh, and 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 you, you offer them lunch. You know, offer them dinner. Can I cook something for you? Hmm? It's a little different, but I mean, it's the same concept. Can I cook something for you? Hmm? And you want to cook something really nice, and you're all excited about it because he's coming over tonight. You know, you just want to make it just right. Light the candles, right? Hmm? Maybe turn on, put on a little incense, create an environment, and uh, so this is the same thing. Hmm? All the different angas of bhakti—they're—they're they're a little different in relation to the deity, but the deity is this represents this like symbolic representation of the lila. It's this realm, as I say, that uh, in between um, material and the spiritual, a meeting ground where the spiritual is is, is appearing in material elements—stone, wood, and uh, metal, and so on and so forth. Hmm? And the exchange of words and languages is very um, is uh, well. There's it has its own language. Om Namaha Idam Naivedyam Kling Krishnaya Namaha. You don't say okay. Well, it's it, dinner served. Come, you know, you do basically, but in a you know in a coded way. Mm-hmm. And then there's some protocol there and etiquette and in the realm of ritual that we pass through to enter into the the lila where that formalities are dropped and. And so on and so forth, and it becomes completely like, come on over for, for dinner. I mean, <laughs> something like that. One of these says, "Sit down, come eat." Hmm? Um, so, 
I'm, I'm saying in a very essential sense, loving God, the mystery of loving God is, 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 is completely taken out, uh, done away with, and it's just right down to earth. How do you love anybody? You sing about them. When you hear a song, you think of them. Hmm? And you sing that song, and that person's on your mind. You make up a song about them. Hmm? You cook for them. You, 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 you serve them. It would be the way Prabhupada has been. If you love somebody, you serve them. Hmm? And so, and as you do, hmm, you start doing the things that you know that they like. That's sadhana. You know they like it, so you do it. You know they don't like it, so you don't do it. You find out who the person is, what he likes, she likes, and, and so on and so forth. What are his or her sensibilities? Don't come in wearing red. He doesn't like that. Or blue. He's the king. You're not. Those are the royal colors. Something like that. There's some uh, sensibilities given, do's and don'ts. But they're very practical um, if you understand the person, Krishna. And, uh, and so, from that, what happens is some feeling starts to come. You go through the practice, some feeling starts to come. Hmm. This, then we enter into Bhava. And all these esoteric terms. And the Sandini. Combined, come into the heart. Sounds very complicated, but it just means basically that that Krishna is reciprocating. You've got you 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 you've got his attention. Hmm? Uh, you've done the things he likes. You've served his those who like him. You you you've developed attachment for for his devotees and the practices that they engage in that constitute uh, our expressions of, of loving him and so forth. Hmm? And so he comes. He, he, in a substantial way, he enters into your life. And in a particular way, in a particular form that corresponds with the emotion of love developing within the devotee, based, based on, as we hear and we have heard, it comes up here again, based on association and the type of practices and so on and so forth. And so it, that bhava then is cultivated and, 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 and the bhava is basically the budding of a spiritual identity. As I've said, the stai bhava is the defining emotion that, that defines, defines the devotee as a friend, as a, as a, as a lover, as a servant, as may be the case. Hmm? And so, having been defined uh, who I am hmm, in relation to him, then to culture that and it turns into prame. Hmm? And when it hits into prame, turns into prame, then we enter into the really into the ocean of Bhakti Rasa. Then the Stayibhav is is appropriately combined with other ingredients, ecstatic ingredients, other bhavas hmm? to form we call Bhakti Rasa. So this chapter, that this, this 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 section from here on out, it's all about bhakti rasa. And the basis of the bhakti rasa is that that stayibhav. Again, as I mentioned, Rupa Goswami says how you will get that uh, maturity of the stayibhav. We were talking in bhav bhakti, the bud of bhav, the bud of the stayibhav. So it's beginning and then it's mature state. Its mature state means rasa. Hmm? In frame, then you can. All these ingredients can combine to reach the height of bhakti rasa. And what, what that means, we'll explain it. But how that happens, Prabhu Goswami makes a point here before he goes into describing the various ingredients. Hmm, he makes a point. How does this bhakti rasa come about? It comes about by, he says, sad bhakti basana. Hmm? You have to have real bhakti basana. Impressions of bhakti. Hmm? He uses another term too, following that. What does he say? Sangsara jugalujvala. Sangskar, excuse me. Sangskar jugalujvala. Same idea. Hmm? That you have to have received impressions of pure bhakti, not only in this life, but in the previous life. 
in the previous life and in this life, then because rasa is a very intense condition of loving, you need very strong impressions. Not only one life, but the previous life as well. Strong impressions that that together then with hearing, chanting, serving the guru, and all these practices, this will make it possible for one to take rati into rasa. From, from, from a particular bhava you're cultivating, sakyabhava into sakyarasa. So this is again, of course, the point that comes up repeatedly throughout Bhakti Rasamukta Sindhu, that, to put it in negative terms, the sarupa of the jiva is not inherent. But it's a, it's a, it's a very much dependent upon sangha, association, those sangskaras, those influences. Later in this, if this comes up in the, in the first defining, first defining sadhana bhakti, the first defining bhava bhakti, it comes up here again in the beginning of this chapter. Later in this same section, in the chapter on the stai bhava, it will come up when he describes the different stai bhavas, then he asks the question of the Goswami, which, are there, is there hierarchy of these? Are they all equal? If there's a hierarchy, why, why doesn't everyone choose the highest one? Why some choose other ones? Hmm? And of course, there is a hierarchy in his description from Shanta to Madhurya, and the reason that everyone doesn't choose the highest one in the hierarchy is because of association. Hmm? By, by vasanas. Again, I read a commentary by a scholar of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, and on that verse from the Stayibhav chapter, um, verse I'm explaining, Rupa Goswami gives this answer. His footnote was, vasanas means samskaras, means like impressions that you receive throughout your life of things and so So, uh, here in the beginning of this chapter, if, if he makes it very clear, and it's really obvious, but this this person really missed the boat on it when he says, sad-bhakti-vasana. Bhakti-vasana, bhakti-sangskar. Not marriage-sangskars, purificatory processes for for garbodhan-sangskar, for having a baby, hmm? not for getting married, not the sannyas-sangskar, or this sangskar, or just ordinary material those are dharmic samskaras, reformatory processes, if you will, in the context of dharma. Hmm? What are there, ten samskaras for the humans, that all humans are supposed to... Uh, beginning with the garbodon. Garbo means in the womb, so to purify the womb, there's a samskara before um, um, attempting to create progeny, and then on and on, and I guess there must be a the death sangskar or the the the, 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 the shraddha rite afterwards, something like this, all the, the dharma marg. But outside of that, of course, you know, we just get we get impressions for sangskar, you know, in terms of it being impression for drinking liquor or whatever it may be. So obviously, neither of these, from a religious or a non-religious point of view, are going to be the that which informs our bhakti. Those are sangskars impressions. It causes us to act in certain ways that we want to become freed from. Therefore, the beginning of the the culture of bhakti involves what? What did Mahaprabhu say? Cheto darpanam arjunam. That the cheta, the chitta, like a mirror, should be in which these reflection, these impressions reflect, and then we follow. Um, should be cleansed. So they can't be the formation of bhakti-rasa. No. Mm. But bhakti-sangskars. Mm. So, so sad-bhakti-vasana. Mm. These types of impressions. Considerable. Mm. Uh, if we're fortunate to have that, then you can attain rati, and rati can rise to, to rasa. Hmm. So, 
um, he emphasizes this point here, and then he begins, of course, um, with the main subject of the chapter. The main subject of the chapter is one of the ingredients, and the one that he chooses to start with uh, makes sense because it's the it's the it's the kind of the causal uh, ingredient. Hmm? You can look at them in different way in different ways, but the reason that he calls the vibhav the subject of this chapter, the the causal ingredient, it's it's very insightful, uh, very practical, I should say. Um, uh, and be, but before I explain that, he starts with this causal, so to speak, uh, influence, the vibhav, and then of course, he'll play that out in the whole chapter. Then the next chapter in the Southern Division will be about the anubhav. Hmm? The next chapter about the uh, the the uh, stayibhav. Uh, I'm not quite remembering the order, but sattvikabhav and vyavicharibhav. This will end the Southern Division. Hmm? So complex, right? It sounds esoteric. Uh, but these five then are the ingredients of rasa. Hmm? The stayibhav has to be in place and be cultured. Hmm? And then the vibhav, the anubhav, the sattvikabhav, and the vyabhicharibhav, they have to be combined properly to constitute a particular rasa. Hmm? I'll explain. You, how vibhav is, the, is causal? Vibhav is, two ty- is of two types, alambana hmm? and udipana. Alambana means uh, like support. Hmm? So in order to have bhakti rasa, hmm? well, it, you have to have the object of love and you have to have the love. So, for example, you have to have Krishna and you have to have Radha. Hmm? So that they're... The, they're, they're causal. They support the whole thing. Hmm? Without them, it's not possible. It's love for Krishna, so Krishna has to be there. Hmm? Right? Rasa is, is bhakti rasa. So, there has to be an object of love, and there has to be the love. So that means there has to be Krishna, and there has to be the devotee for there to be love, for there to be bhakti rasa. Hmm? Without them, you cannot have it. So it's causal in that sense. Do you understand? This is called the alambana vibhav. Hmm? The object of love, the shelter of love. Vishai means object, ashray means shelter. The devotee is the vessel, another way to talk about it, that carries the love. Is I said, the stayibhav is the defining emotion in a devotee's life. I am a friend of Krishna. Hmm? So that person is the ashraya lambana. Hmm? And Krishna is the vishaya lambana. He's the vishaya lambana, the object of love for different ashrayas. Right? There's the ashraya of Shanta, that type of love. There's the vessel of dasya, that type of love. There's the vessel of sakya, vatsalya, and madhurya. Hmm? So in this chapter, Krishna will first explain the ashray, excuse me, the vishaya lambana, Krishna. Hmm? And he'll explain the, the ashray lambana, in brief, the devotees. Hmm? Later, in the, in, the, in the northern section, then, he'll have five chapters about Shanta, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, and Madhurya. Hmm? The final, the, the, and there'll be the, 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 the Western section. And there, and there we have chapters, seven chapters about secondary rasas. I should have mentioned that. There are primary rasas. These means, means emotions that have the power to dominate, hmm? take over prevail over others, friendship, 
romantic love. They, they're defining. There are other emotions that are have the power to take over for a while, but not completely. Those are secondary rasas. Hasya, let's go through them. Adbhuta, Bhayankar, Karuna, Vibhatsa. We had five. Um, Vira, and what did we miss? Uh, Adbhuta. Did I? Oh. Anyway, seven. So there'll be a chapter about each of those. And. But I said that. And how they. temporarily take precedence in the life of some devotees. How they combine. Hmm? Excuse me, with with some primary rasas and some and some they don't. Hmm? And a, after those seven chapters, then he'll have a chapter on on the uh, compatibility of rasas and incompatibility of rasas, and then a chapter about rasa abhas, the abhas, or the semblance of rasa, what looks like rasa but it's deficient in some way in terms of the ingredients or in, in, inappropriate, and therefore it's not rasa. Something like that. Oh, I hope this doesn't sound complicated. I'm trying to make it sound uncomplicated. But let me let me let me try, try again, hmm? again. If you hear this a few times, you'll you'll, you'll get it. Hmm? In order for there to be a rasa, there has to be a vibhav, hmm? alambana vibhav. There's a alambana vibhav and a Alambana means ashray and the vishay. The shelter of love, the object of love, the devotee, and Krishna. That's easy. There has to be devotee and Krishna. Right? The other, there's a third type of, a second type of vibhav. Let's call it udipana. Hmm. So if Krishna, let's say for example, Krishna is the object of love, so he's the vishaya lambana, vibhav. That's the type of vibhav he is. The vishaya lambana. Hmm. The, 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 the object of love. Hmm. Now, Krishna has certain qualities hmm. that make him the way he is. Krishna has certain things that are related to him, like his clothing, the way the way he does his hair, hmm. um, his flute, his stick, how he appears in different ages. There are qualities that he has, and then there are things that are related to him. Hmm? These are called udipanas. In other words, there are things about him, directly and indirectly, that stimulate love for him, because he is the way he is. Hmm? These are called udipanas, udipanabhivavs. Hmm? They stimulate the love. And there are different types of udipanas, hmm? so many, and Depending on your stayibhav, certain udipanas will apply to you and they will cause you to feel the way you do about Krishna. When you hear them, when you see them, hmm? when you read about them. Hmm? Hmm? Different qualities of Krishna, when we go through the different chapters on the different rasas, then Rupa Goswami will show how these all work together. Oh, for the stayibhav of Sakya, then these will be the Udipanas. In this chapter, we're talking, it's going to go through all the Udipanas. Hmm? When he talks about Dasiras or Sakiras or Vatsaliras, then he'll point out the Udipanas that apply to that stai. Hmm? So combining, see there's appropriate combining. So certain qualities of Krishna correspond with Dasya bhav, hmm. the stai bhav of dasya. Hmm. Certain uh, in the form of Krishna, for example, the ages of Krishna, udipanas. So he'll center in then when he goes through those chapters in the in the in the in the, in the northern division, a chapter on each of the primary rasas. Hmm. 
this chapter is about the vibhav and that first because it's causal and the idea that what follows talks about the other ingredients combining with together makes for rasa makes for bhakti rasa appropriate combining hmm? so it's not it's not so so complicated if you love someone as a friend you see them in a certain way if you love them as your lover you see them in a different way and there are different qualities about them that stick out to you and are pertinent and and ones that the friends really uh, are attracted to they're there they're nice but they, they don't do the same thing for you something like that hmm? so so in, so in this chapter he wants to say let's do it like this there are the there are the vibhavas hmm? and they are as i say they're causal in the way that i'm speaking about it and they cause anubhavs to happen hmm? so the the when the when the, the vibhavs are in place then an anubhav anubhav means an external expression like smiling hmm? i see that it causes me to smile in him, I see it caused me to, or to go, yo, Haribo, raise my hands like this, hmm? in a calculated way, with some knowing that I'm I'm doing it. Hmm? These are expressions of ecstasy. Certain type of anubhavs that cor- all correspond with the particular stai bhav. Hmm? And then, then you have the involuntary ecstasies. Hair standing on and passing out tears pouring from the eyes and so forth and dependent upon the rasa dependent on the stahibhav the, hmm, the particular rasa and only certain sattvika bhavs will express themselves and in different degrees also and then you have the, the vyabhichari bhavs that are internal and kind of secondary emotions that come and go come and go Mm-hmm. And there will be certain ones for, for different different rasas and so forth. Mm-hmm. So these are the ingredients. And again, starting with the vibhav and starting with the alambana vibhav, mm-hmm. which is Krishna mm-hmm. as the vishai and the devotee as the ashrai. Mm-hmm. And so that's why then this chapter will proceed mm-hmm. after getting this basic idea down with the qualities of Krishna. 64 qualities of Krishna he gives. It's all about Krishna, what he's like, what are his, all of his qualities. Hmm? Of course, there's more than we could count, but he's given 64 principal qualities. He cites a number of them from the, from the Bhagavatam hmm, um, and others. He comes up with, uh, with uh, uh, after listing them all, the qualities of Krishna, the, 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 the extent to which Devotees of Krishna might have some of those qualities. How Brahma and Shiva might have ones that other humans don't have. How Narayan has ones that they don't have. And then how Krishna has four that, that nobody has. And after describing all the different qualities, he describes them first as like part of Krishna. So the qualities are both depending on how you look at it, Alambana and Udipana. Hmm? So, we're talking about the Alambana, Krishna himself, the object of love. Hmm? And Krishna has this quality and that quality. Hmm? We're talking about Krishna who has this quality or we're talking about a quality of Krishna. It's slightly different. So, from a different angle of vision, it will be an, it will be part of the alumbana because this is the alumbana I'm describing. Vishai, he's like this. This is what he's like. Or I can talk about the quality kind of separate um, and then it's looked at as an, as an Udipana. Mm-hmm. But after going through them, what then he'll talk about the four different personality types of Krishna. Mm-hmm. The Dira Prashanta, Dira Lalita, Dira Datta, and so forth. Um, how that perfect person is perfect in Dwarka, more perfect in Mathura, most perfect in Vrindavan, in hmm? in money. This is, it'll, that, that book will start with this. The hero. Hmm? 
the hero, what he's like. What is it, 93 different, 94 different something types of heroes. And Krishna's, all of them combined. Hmm? The perfect hero. So largely this chapter is all about what the object of love is like. After having done that and gone through the qualities, listing them, then he goes back and lists the qualities with examples of the qualities. Show, drawing on different verses from different places to show that Krishna has this quality. This shows this quality. This is an example of that quality and so on and so forth. So it, it's very very sensible how he's uh, introducing uh, into this, the topic of bhakti rasa the object of love that all rasas are centered on. Krishna and only Krishna is the Vishaya Lambana for all rasas. Krishna and, of course, Krishna in different forms. Krishna when, he'll, he'll explain Krishna when he's disguised. Krishna, in, like when he manifested as the cowherd boys and calves. And Balaram found himself loving them like he loved Krishna. And he thought, something's going on here. Krishna is the Vishaya Lambana, he would say, using Rupa Goswami's language. Why am I feeling like that, like I do towards him, towards these coward boys? Hmm? This must be a disguised, a certain manifestation of Krishna. Hmm? And of course it was. Hmm? Or there is the example in Dwarka of Krishna dressing up like, like, a, like a queen, wandering around, checking things out, listening to what people are saying. And Uddhava sees him finds himself attracted to that lady. And he realizes, that's Krishna, dressed up. He's in disguise. He's trying to hide himself. And he can find out what people are thinking. <laughs> and look at his city from a different angle without everyone's eyes on him and so forth. Hmm. So uh, 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 he explains like this and, uh, and gives examples as I am. That, that Krishna, of course... Mm-hmm. means his avatars mm-hmm. and so forth too but uh, particularly uh, his emphasis is, is on Krishna as the perfect object of love the Rasaraj mm-hmm. and then so after explaining the Alambana Vibhav after explaining the the Udipana Vibhavs, then he also explained the Ashray Lambana, which is what? The shelter, which is, another name for that is the devotees, different types of devotees. There's Sadaka devotees, there's Siddha devotees, there are Nitya Siddha devotees, there are devotees who became perfect by, by practice, by Kripa, and so forth. He talks a little bit about, about them and how they are the shelters. In lesser detail, because he's going to be going on in great detail about, for example, the stayibhavs in one chapter, which is the defining emotion of a devotee. He's going to have whole chapters about sakirasa, chapters about madhurya rasa, chapter about vatsali rasa, which is all about the shelter. So, this is an overview of kind of a complicated section in a sense that, that makes up the balance of the book. Three different divisions, the southern, the northern, and the western divisions of the ocean of Bhakti Rasta, dealing in detail with the various ingredients of Bhakti Rasa. The Vibhavs, causal, both Alambana and Udipana, the, 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 the Anubhavs, expressions, outward expressions of them. Hmm? The anu the the the, 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 above, the involuntary expressions hmm? that you can't check and you just they just come. Hmm? Uh, and, and 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 then the the stai above hmm? and the auxiliary or um how do we say transitory, coming and going emotions, the sancharis, or also called vyabicharis. So again, these are this sounds complicated, but these are 
when you go through it, you see this is just just describing what human beings experience hmm? and labeling the experiences, labeling the the dominant emotion of friendship or or, or conjugal love hmm? that defines a person in a relationship with another. Hmm? They're lovers, hmm? and therefore they will experience these types of sentiments that come and go. Hmm? Friends won't experience some, but some of them they won't, hmm? perhaps. Hmm? Friends will act in a certain way, and lovers will conduct themselves physically in a different way. Hmm? These are the Anubhavs. Hmm? Um, and both may love a person, one conjugally, one friendly, and different things about them will stimulate their, their love. And different qualities in the person. It's very, very, it's very um, simple, in a sense. All the terms are complicated. You've got to keep thinking of it in relation to human experience. This brings it very much kind of down to earth, and makes these sections um, as, as simple, in a sense, as they are. And I guess we'll see that more hopefully <laughs> as we go through it. Any question? Yeah. In the beginning, you said that, like, uh, the Shtai Ra, in, in, in Bhavakti, it's there in a budding form. Mm-hmm. But, so does that mean that the, this Bhakti Ras is only experienced in praying? Yeah. In the highest phase of Bhavakti? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When the Shtai Bhav is mature, then there's Bhakti Rasa. And so, it's stepping into an identity. And all these ingredients coming together that are separate, they all become one. Let's go look the rest. What else? Yes? How does it define Bhav? Well, above means uh, here um, emotion, feeling, um, ecstasy. Um, it's a world of ecstasy we're talking about. Um, you know, you have, um, to use it, causal emotions, hmm, dominant ones, transitory ones, um, uh, uh, subsequent and, and calculated ones, hmm, and then uncalculated ones. So, something like that. What else? Technical, it's hard to avoid. <laughs> Technical, but it really is quite simple, quite quite human. Since he's saying I was reading a lecture of devotion some 20 years ago, and I must have been about Hasi, and I, had, I was reading, and I had this scene that he was giving all the examples of the Doji, or whoever it was, smiling, and then laughing, showing the teeth, and then clapping their hands and I slapping their thighs, mm. for example, and reading and getting kind of lost in all these details and classification and subclassification. But it's, we just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just talking about what we do in ordinary life, and, and Krishna's in the center. So we don't know ourselves well enough. That's why we don't understand Bhakti Rasa. We just seem to, we never sat, tried to analyze ourselves and thought about the details of why we laugh in this situation, why we act this way with another person and not with a, this other person. And so he just kind of like analyzed all that in great detail hmm? and given names to it and so on and so forth. So it's just really analyzing the human condition. That's why I say it's, it's just like very down to earth. Human psychology, love psychology, which is what humans are about. And, um, and, it, and taking it and centered it on Krishna. Hmm. Yeah, Bhakti Rasa. A human-like experience that's completely transcendental to it, or, or the, the fullest reach of the human opportunity. Hmm. The opportunity comes in human life to experience Bhakti Rasa through Sadhu Sangha. So we can say, rather than it's tr- that it transcends humanity, that it, the fullest, to be fully human, is to be a bhakta and to taste bhakti rasa because it is the human opportunity hmm? 
to love Krishna and cultivate that hands-on and so forth that uh, evolved directly in the culture. So, uh, again, to be fully human. Not to deny anything in our human experience. Even anger is there and disgust, rasa and so forth. When we look at the human life as this kind of cusp where we can move away from animality to spirituality, it's, it, we should look at it as something in, in progress, not humanity unto itself stopping. Hmm? But as we move from hum, 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 animality to humanity, and humanity is, is fulfilled in spirituality. And the entire human experience is 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 um, validated. Life is what you feel it should be like. Something like that. When we say, "Oh, it's, it's really not like you know, it's bad news or it's problematic," no, what it what it should be like, what it's like in the movies. That's what what it's like. So on the, the, the drama is Krishna Leela. Hmm. This is the show. Hmm. Has come to earth. And, and it's saying, this is what, how you can live happily ever after. You can enter this movie. Hmm. Showing is God in human-like form. Hmm. Fully playing himself out. His Leela out. His love Leelas. It's the human stage facilitates it. Not the transcendental stage. As I've said before, humanity is a fallen condition. One that you never want to get up from, something like that. I mean, I mean, I was going to say, excuse me, love is a fallen condition. Fall in love. You lose it. So, finding yourself is losing yourself in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, it's very, it's quite uh, esoteric when you take the highest and the lowest and you. You realize they're so, so close. When we start to focus on jnana, they start to become distant. Yes. Um, which element is lacking in bhava that it cannot face uh, They all have to be there. What do you mean? Which one is in bhava bhakti? In bhava bhakti means that the stai bhava is not developed. Hmm. It's just beginning. Hmm. So it is, it's cultivated. Hmm. And eventually, all these separate bhavas, they become one. Let's go back to Rasa. The Vibhav, the Stai Bhav, they all come together. So the difference between the Bhava Bhakti and Bhakti Rasa is the immature stayibhav and the mature stayibhav. When it's mature, what makes it mature is it's properly combined with all these different elements. Yeah, when they're not, in a sense, when they're not combined, you know, they're not integrated. In other words, in the context of your bhakti, you become, you realize certain qualities of Krishna of the object of your love. You realize them, you experience them. Hmm? Um, um, you, you, you've been, you're, you're st- stimulated by certain ages and, and qualities or, or, let's say, things related to him. You um, experience the Anubhavs. Hmm? You experience the transitory coming and going, the Sanchari Bhavs, hmm? in the context of your Astai Bhav. I love Krishna as a friend, and I, I'm feeling the, the, the corresponding Sanchari Bhavs. I'm feeling, experiencing the corresponding Anubhavs, hmm? Sattvika Bhavs. Hmm. The question of realizing you can read about it and 
okay, I'll put these together, and there it is. <laughs> it's more than, it's a culture. Hmm? These are talking about the reality of devotees are experiencing all of these things together. Hmm? This is dasyarasa, vatsalyarasa, sakyarasa, madhuryarasa. All right, we stop there. Shri Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu ki jai. Tadi Gopal ki jai. Shri Bhagavad Sami Prabhupada ki jai. Oh, Premanandri.